This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High Performance. Leadership. People think overwhelm, craziness, craziness. No time. No time. No fun. No fun. Just work, 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 work. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and leadership specialist. During the show, Monique and her guests will share the harsh truth behind their success stories, what it means to perform on a high level, and to be a leader in this world. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency on Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back to Efficiency on Demand, everyone. Today, I have a super quirky, weird, wonderful, beautiful guest on my show. And you really want to get to know her, I promise you. Um, not only for her unicorn cats and other beautiful shifts, but especially for who she is and what she's doing. I got to know her actually because she put a request out for a publication and I just said like, me, me, me. And she picked me, so honored. And then, and now we're sending gifts forward and backward and forward and back. Not well, you get the point. Anyways, let me introduce you to Claire Kim. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for having time, especially thank you for being so well-dressed. <laughs> I'll always make time for you, let's be real. And thank you. I'm very proud of this outfit of the day, which I'm not going to post on Instagram, but it's oh, okay. You don't have to, uh, but you should have a photo shooting in it, actually. Think I'm thinking about it. I'm definitely like I've definitely done a lot of music singing live streams in this particular outfit, but oh. I haven't really done anything in the business context just because I mean I get I guess it's like I guess it's the whole okay, whatever outfit you wear kind of determines your mood, how you show up and things like that. And reindeer outfits, they don't exactly fly well if you are kind of screaming in front of a camera to be like, get your shit together, let's go. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard for people to take it seriously hundred <laughs> percent. I would have not thought so though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, then we did bond over unicorns. Most people don't really have that sense of the humor or the fantasy. Yeah. yeah. So before we dive in, uh, tell everyone what you're doing, who you are, where you're from. Okay, so I am based in Canada, and note to anyone that is listening to this podcast that is probably thinking, should I visit Canada? Probably not during February, but otherwise we are good to go. And what I do with my business is uh, we I'm a principal consultant at Clearly Designs, and what we do at Clearly designed is conscious companies come to us when they're ready to maximize their growth potential and we do that by finding revenue and talent leaks so yeah that's what we do in a nutshell and i already mentioned where i'm from did i forget 
get something to answer or think we're yeah i think we're good okay yeah that's all you need to know about me i think for now <laughs> i love it so how do you go about finding talent and revenue leaks and what is a talent and revenue leak okay so within the within the organization so I, let's okay so i'm gonna it might sound like i'm sidetracking a little bit but i really need to make these analogies because it's the how i how i explain this and how i explain the leaks and the whole concept of it that's how i found people really resonate with the most so when it comes to revenue leaks, which is something that hits people hardest, particularly if they're within the small business and startup space, and with the talent leaks, there people might kind of dismiss it, being like, "Oh, yeah, it's for major corporations and stuff like that." But revenue leaks will still apply to you. And what that we mean by that is so anything unintended loss of money within the business. So when we're talking about money cycle within the business now when we're talking about earning saving spending and investing so when all of like all of the times so like when you're bringing in the money in or any like any form of money in your business it's gonna go through that cycle whether you're choosing to invest whether you're choosing to spend whether you're earn your bring the money in and stuff like that but not many people are talking about what happens in between so for example let's say when you make money you bring in the money and then you're trying to save money except you are completely forgetting about that because you forgot to upgrade your plan on payhip per se i don't know their monthly pricing and no monique and i are not affiliated with that software as far as i am aware of but anyway so you forgot to upgrade your plan so you're paying four percent transaction fee instead of two percent transaction fee so next thing you know all like next thing you know you're thinking that oh yeah i sent out a ten thousand dollar invoice so i should be getting ten thousand dollars except no when you actually look at what you receive at the bank account end after all the conversions and payment processor it's going to look something like ninety nine hundred sixty two or whatever well as if you were to if you have remember to upgrade your plan it might have been like 99 80 something like that now you might be okay it's 20 dollar difference now if you add those transactions up if all of your transactions you're bleeding out you're not really bleeding quote unquote but you're losing out on these 20 extra 20 dollars 30 dollars 100 dollars and stuff like that, and you have no idea about it that's a really good example of unintended losses so that's why i brought up the money cycle aspect of the first because it's really to hammer out the point that these are the money that are falling through the cracks mostly, but also money that you have in your business that you're just sitting on and you have no idea about. And if you're someone listening to Monique's podcast, you're definitely not someone that's like, yeah, like I know I'm like spending extra $20 per transaction when I could probably get away not doing it, but I'm going to do it anyways. Like huh. <laughs> you're not that type of person. Too much <laughs> so. fun. Yeah, exactly. So we're not money efficient here. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, like, but yeah. So that's the revenue leak aspect of it. Talent oh. leaks. So it is the talent leaks. It's still within the scope of like so within talent leaks. There, when you bring in the talent and there's like attracting the right talent, there's engaging the employee and then there's retaining the employee. So all of those three cycles within like that are going to go through it. and whatever happens and like what happens happens through the cracks. So for example, maybe you're attracting the people, but you are um, let's say you are you have comedy club. 
and you're recruiting a general manager, except every single person that applied are super boring. <laughs> so it's like, even if you might, so that's like, okay, clearly something went off the cracks during that attraction process, or let's say your employees are not engaged and so on. So that's what we mean by talent leaks. Although mostly within the talent leak concept, particularly for the companies that I work with, which are major corporations, if they specifically come to me being like, yo, like our millennials, we are paying them six figure salary. And then one day they told us that they just want to swim with elephants and dance with the emperor penguins and then poop out unicorns. Like, <laughs> And we have no idea what caused a change of mind so that's where i tell them no like these are that's what i tell them yeah like these are your like you're bleeding out these talents from your organization so that's where the term talent leak comes in now for the like within the organizational leak category there's also talent leak there's revenue leak and there's time leak but time leak one like related to processes projects and stuff like that 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 exists but that's not something that we like we really like getting into as much as the other two just because these are revenue leaks and talent leaks they're yeah we're weird that way because it's like it's a little bit harder to catch up on and it's a little you you have to get your hands dirty a little bit more because a lot of the things particularly with the money sitting in your business that you are not worried you're not aware of per se those things are not even written on the paper and you can't really think within the traditional accounting sense or traditional project management senses so you do have to think outside the box but oddly enough that's what really really drives well with us and that's something that I, we found to be commonality as to what we do, regardless of where we were within the business, whether we were specializing more in the systems or whether back when I, um, back when I was a solopreneur sort of a person and wanting a design firm and stuff like that, no matter what, it always came down to finding something that was falling through the cracks. Sure, there were the structures involved, there were things involved and things like that. But overall, when I wrote, really dove into, okay, what am I really delivering? It was the whole, I was finding that missing piece that they didn't even know that they were missing. But mm-hmm. when that was there everything just made sense. So I know this was a little bit of a long-winded explanation, but I do hope that the concepts I explained <laughs> and stuff like that, it makes sense to the listeners. And is there anything I should be elaborating? Or We will get there. <laughs> but I think it definitely makes sense. I want to know how you get to this point that you go in to major corporations and say like, well, Mr. X... Your money is running through crack one, two, and five. You should catch it. How do you get to this point? Okay, so um, how I got to that point. So just to be clear, oh, no, oh my God, I really wish I could dive a lot more into the revenue leak aspect of it because where people, like where we focus, Focused on revenue lease with the most is within the multiple six figure, multiple seven figure range. But if anyone above them, we just more focus on the talent leaks aspect of it because at that point, they're not really sitting on any money within their business, but it's more so within that financial accounting, like one of the like very traditional errors that honestly, like they can be fixed in a little bit more traditional way. But how I got here. 
So in, like, like I have mentioned, I started out doing a design firm and okay, I guess that's, this is also going to tie really well into the backstory aspect of it. If that's what you were hoping that people will talk about within the podcast as well. But yeah, so after, okay, I'm going to go back a little bit further um, as to why I started the design firm in the first place. So I was in secondary university and mind you, I never thought I would graduate university only because my plan kind of has been, oh, okay, so I am going to, um, I'm like, I'm like, like I'm going to use my university degree, which was at one of the top business schools in the country. I'm like, okay, I'm going to use that degree to get myself a job at a major music label, work in an AR department, and then use the connections to get myself a record deal and then get the hell out of school. So that was kind of the plan, which is, again, not exactly not exactly a recommended way of thinking. And I don't recommend people to think that way. If you're in school, focus on school. So anyway, and I, and I did graduate, by the way. But anyway, and yeah, so second year, I was supposed to have a guaranteed work placement that was going to pay me for full time during um, summers and stuff, as well as um, scholarships and stuff. And then I realized, like, I just found out that, yeah, no, I lost both of them on the same day. Probably my fault, mostly. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I'm not going to blame it on anyone and things like that. But at the end of the day, I do believe in taking ownership. So, Oh, so I'm like, okay, like, like I guess it's okay. I cost a situation. I'm not gonna get into like all the things that I like, all of the, like the whole sadness and things like that. I gotta figure out a backup plan because now my whole full time summer working thing and the whole like working with a music like music label and stuff like that that kind of became a toast because they don't really accept entry level jobs um, without you going through the um, accredited school programs and so on. So I was like, okay, so I was kind of getting into the point of and I'm not sure if anyone else thinks like this but maybe quite a few people but my first question is okay how am I gonna eat literally that was my first thing I love food so I was like okay well if I have no job how am I gonna eat and as a musician mind I really don't believe in the whole like if you love something you need to love it so much that you're willing to starve yourself to death in order to do it I don't believe in that like why can't you eat and enjoy what you do. Like love doesn't mean having to strive yourself for like to like just to keep with it or like do it and stuff like that. So obviously my prior question went to food and eventually I was like, okay, so let's what if I were to just look for my own jobs or create my own jobs. And I wasn't too unfamiliar with the idea of entrepreneurship because I have freelanced in certain capacity before, whether immigration consulting and so on, but consulting, but also my paternal side of the family all have businesses and so on. So the whole, it's almost like, actually, let's bring it this way. It's um, like from the paternal side of the family and maternal side of the family, it was almost more um, quote unquote foreign for you to have an actual nine to five job with two degrees. Right. We all had a degree, but like we are like, but like having more than one degree and having an actual nine to five job where you're getting salaried and like climbing up the corporate ladder, like that's clearly that doesn't run in the family considering where I am right now. Although my sister is <laughs> breaking the cycle, which is great for her. Um, but 
that's when I decided to start my own business. And mind you, even though I was a business major, people don't teach entrepreneurship in school. So they don't teach you how to get clients. They teach you, oh yeah, here's consumer psychology. Great. Tell me how to make money. Uh, here's consumer psychology. And here's like this um, $2,000 a month software that you should know how to use. Like, great. How do I make money? Pay us tuition. It's like, this system, I don't, anyways, we can talk all the, like, the whole trend and stuff like that, maybe on our own spare time. However, the point being, I felt like, so I kind of said, okay, I need to get clients, that's how I'm going to make money, and I'm going to do work, and things like that, and first quarter, I definitely have profit analysis and stuff like that, because that, they teach that in school, thank God, they teach profit and losses, they don't teach how to fail income taxes, but they tell you, okay, here's when you're profiting, here's when you're losing, and here's when it's good and bad. So minimum survival things that you're teaching, which is awesome. So I found out that I profited like, like on the pretty much like maybe a price of like a nice dinner tops. And I'm like, I can't live with this. Shit. <laughs> that was literally my response. And I was just like, okay, well, F it because like clearly this is not going to work. And I like, I'm not exactly someone that's, like that, so let's, like, I, I guess I give up a little bit fast, <laughs> especially if I don't know what I'm doing and things. And back then when I started entrepreneurship, I, I was kind of like done on a whim. Mind you, I started this whole, like, I was like, okay, like I need to eat <laughs> sort of a thing. So it wasn't exactly invested, which um, has changed. Don't worry. It's not that I'm taking on, not taking entrepreneurship seriously and stuff like that. It's just that back then I wasn't really in that space. Yeah, that's aging does that. But yeah, so I went to go get a corporate job. And as I was getting the corporate job and things like that, I still continued on with the music. It's just that as the corporate job was going on, and then as the schooling thing and the pressure of, yeah, you got to go get a nine to five job and stuff like that, it was kind of building up. And it was most, and what made me um, also give up on music, I mean, along with putting the business on hold and stuff like that as well, was more so on that. More like more so on that self disbelief aspect of it because it was the whole yeah like like entrepreneurship and music what they have in common I found and which is which is what I found later on to be my huge advantage is the fact that you're pretty much get, gonna get a no all the time like <laughs> you're gonna get hundreds of no's hundreds of no's and then when just when you're about to like say f this thing like f this thing like you get that one yes or you get the one major breakthrough and that changed the whole entire ball game mm-hmm. and that's and like, so i like i feel that music experience kind of gave me that edge that made me um in terms of become like i guess like not taking rejection personally but even then when i was like but yeah i was like okay like i think i'm gonna put music on hold and i'll figure out what the f i'm gonna do with my life um like do i want to be doing like okay maybe i'll try to go get a degree but like eh, my grades though oh my god it's it wasn't bad but it's like definitely not something that i want to show my asian parents and they still haven't seen it so let's let's keep it that way and and then do i want to go get a job at a government and these Mm, just no. So, um, like, so it was just that. It was just that, like, eh, like not because, like, when you get that dose of like creating your own income, creating your own opportunities, and when you get that high of being rejected hundred times, and you get that yes, and there's, and then you just like skyrocket into the next place. When you get that 
I, you can't go back, which is, which totally sounds like I was talking about something other than entrepreneurship, but I'm talking about entrepreneurship and nothing else. But yeah, but yeah, anyway, I was, like, I gave up the music and things like that, but everything kind of just came back on, it came back to me, like with the referrals, I kind of fell back into consulting by accident when my former business partner, he lost his full-time job when Canadian federal election happened and his boss lost his seat. And he's like, well, F, I need to make a full-time living somehow. And so he, and then he asked me to help out. So kind of, we kind of went in again on the business aspect of it, but that picked up very quickly. And then I ended up picking up on music a little bit later when I was, like when like when I was having the realization of okay like the whole like am I gonna make it am I gonna make it am I gonna make it and stuff like that well it's kind it was kind of one of those this is something that you kind of just have to write out write out until the end and see what happens and that's something that I found true to be with entrepreneurship and really anything in life as well so that's how it happened and after the partnership broke up that's when I went full out on the everything related to operations HR and so on because communications, web design, social media strategy and stuff like that, those things were just really draining for introverts um, slash hermit like myself because it's literally like introverts like you recharge by just reflecting on yourself and like doing whatever things with your um, puppies or cats and things like that but you don't like but social media is just it was a lot of talking to people and a lot of like to have like putting up fires and stuff like that and I'm just like no I just want to like stay silent be in my own cave and do my own thing and revenue leaks and haunt leaks it came about when again every when I was reflecting back on every single project that I did and anything that was just how it was I'm like okay I'm filling in that missing piece clearly my thing is on the leaks but now we got to develop that as to what it looks like at the organizational context. And then I, that's where I narrowed it down to time and revenue and talent, because those are the three things that are, that is going to fall through cracks for every single organization, whether you're a nonprofit, whether you are a space shuttle station, whether you are like, like whether you are a unicorn labradoodle world's domination association and so on. It's always going to happen. Those three things are always going to fall through the cracks. It's just that depending on where you are in the business, certain things you're going to need to focus on more than the others. Relatively long-winded question, but I still try to tie it up with something more value. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I love it. I'm waiting for more unicorn insights. But um, I love how the backstory actually has almost nothing to do I want to say with where you are now, but you still get to tie it together, if that makes sense. Yeah. So how did you then, when you said like, oh, you know, I had this design company and I didn't even learn how to, I mean, let's be honest, school doesn't teach us anything helpful these days anymore. I think so. I mean, I, when I went to college in Germany, actually university is free as in you don't have to pay these crazy tuition fees like in America for sure. I don't know how tuition fees are in Canada. We do have we do have it, but we're not as ridiculous as US. Right. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's crazy. But um our tuition fees are basically like five hundred dollars for the year, more or less. 
and that has the, that's more an administration fee in Germany. Yeah, yeah. And it's only been it's only been it's only been submitted like a few years back. Like when I started, all of the universities were free unless you go to a private one. Obviously, I chose something that was only available in a private one, so I had to pay like fifteen thousand dollars for for my university. Fun times, but um, definitely not the crazy amounts that that in other countries are going around. When I look back on my university and what they were trying to teach us, I can definitely confirm there was nothing that taught me how to get clients, nothing about business whatsoever. It was literally preparing you to be programmed for corporate Germany. Like, be a perfect employee. Do what everyone says. Be a little robot. That's, that's great. If primary school and uh, middle or high school didn't yet mold you into society's best friend, then university was definitely the place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So how did you go to find your first clients and how did you make things work and eat? I think food is really important. Who yeah, is you out know. there starving? I mean, really. I mean, you might be surprised. A lot of people, like particularly the ones with that artist background, they're kind of taught with the whole, yeah, like you, like starving artist, starving artist, starving artist. Like, no, feed them. <laughs> but anyways, I'm sorry, like, sorry, I got a little bit fired up about the food subject because I generally believe that everyone should be eating. But anyways, <laughs> yes. like, like at least at their own will, um, have the freedom. But anyways, to get into the whole how I got started, um, like my very first gig with the immigration consulting that was it, like it was kind of just like side money thing where it was mostly out of referrals and it's like hey could you fill out these documents i'm like sure whatever you're gonna pay me how much oh we'll pay you this and i'm like perfect am i getting food too yep okay cool sounds good and was with the design thing which is where the actual entrepreneurship road began with hopefully not like i really hope that was like maybe three minutes four minutes, five minutes tops. Um, feel free to like just fast forward me being like, and then she went to talk all and all and all and all and all and all, all. kind of like the SpongeBob thing. Oh my God, please do that in the edit. I will kill to see that. Okay. But anyways, with the, how I got the first clients and things like that, honestly, just go online. And what, how I found my first client was through like Craigslist, Kijiji, which is like Canadian equivalent of Craigslist. I've also looked on AngelList and so on. So, and Upwork, Guru.com. So pretty much all of those places where I knew people would be hiring for these part-time or freelancers, that's where I went. Except I quickly realized that when I was going through those kind of places, I'm also, because these people, the people that are going to these places are going there to price shop in a way by providing myself as a vendor there, I am putting myself as one of the price tags that uh, that's almost commo- that's almost commodity whether, rather than the whole um, something that is not a commodity sort of thing. So that's how I got the first clients, but that's something cautionary tale sort of a thing that I learned relatively quickly. And then I think that's one of the reasons why um, looking back, I gave up on the first round of it so quickly because I hated the feeling of being the commodity. And I also didn't know any other way 
of the whole like okay is there any other way where I wouldn't be like a commodity where I wouldn't have to compete with compete with um, certain regions of the world that can work for like four dollars per hour two dollars per hour and then they know they're going to be able to live yeah so that, that's what that, looking back I feel that really contributed to that but when I by the time I figured out that wasn't the case um I and like I, my corporate job and my later um course like a later advanced programs and courses and so on that I was taking in my upper year university it really taught me that there is a way to not be a commodity <laughs> and and also I'm like also due to my musician background I think that kind of helped a little bit as well because the more and like of what as I was getting um like as I was getting um up and running with my music career and so on I was realizing that you need to it's it's one of those it's like if you don't stand out in one way or another even if it is as oh girl next door sort of a thing if you if you're not making that impression you're done like it's you're not going to get anything so that's why i think with all of those factors added up that's what made me pick up on the whole okay here's how to be a commodity and here's how they kind of like how people that are looking for the commodity type of prices are going to shop and then here's people that are not going like here's people that are not looking to be commodity type of business and then the business or brand and here's people that are looking more for the quality aspect of it and then here's how to position certain structures certain things and so on and i think a lot of those things added up for me very very quickly and i'm blessed that something that i do have a little bit of more advantage on is the fact that i pick up on little pick up on these things very quickly and I tend to blend a lot of this like on a lot of ir- seemingly irrelevant things like very very quickly like and even in my business nowadays particularly with the talent leaks I use a lot most of my inspiration particularly with the talent attraction talent development stuff like that it doesn't even come from business world it comes from me watching soccer it comes from me a observing how the music industry develops artists and stuff like that that's how most of the inspirations come from which is which i which i guess um is weird but it makes sense to me and it works for people just yeah yeah. why not i mean soccer is surely a great way to to find talent leagues (laughs) yeah exactly like how they like how the soccer like how the soccer league i mean i'm not sure if you follow soccer i don't follow german soccer league as much not gonna lie but if you look at their like youth soccer team like youth soccer development system how the scouts operate how the talent agents like how the like the market like the market price the trading like the trading like the, the league like different divisions like like relegation and so on when you look at it and then when you're looking the, and then if you're and i'm going to tie it back to something a little bit more meaningful <laughs> to make sure that this is applicable to all the listeners and so on it really shows okay like here's an epitome of how to turn an 80 year old the like 80 year old into next lionel like lionel messi or ronaldo or like this next soccer legend like these soccer legends don't just pop out out of nowhere they have gone through these very very structured system and then as a business obviously can you replicate the whole system not necessarily but what you should be replicating is um when you dare to go outside of your industry which i feel is the really really good practice go outside of your 
industry, particularly in certain areas, like take the lessons from them and replicate the lessons itself. For example, if you're like, oh, I don't want to be a commodity kind of brand, then perfect. You, then the people that you should be taking business lessons from or marketing lessons or marketing lessons from maybe shouldn't be the um, brokerners or gurus. Maybe you should be going to, maybe you should actually be observing luxury brands or one of those like handcrafted diamond brands and then see how they market, see their sales process, see how they treat their consumers. And if they, and let's say you are like, oh yeah, I want to become more efficient and project and stuff like that. And let's say you are not within Monique's orbit for whatever horrible reason you did something wrong with your past life or something. I don't know. Or maybe you, maybe let's say Unicorn Labradoodle became friend and they had a fight or whatever it might be. Then look at like, then again, go outside of your industry and see what the best practices are. Like maybe if, like, if you're worried about, okay, how, like how is, how organizes my business and so on. I don't know how well I'm like I'm organizing it and stuff like that. Maybe that's where you should go see and like go see someone who um, deals with like hundreds of clothes and closets, like or like professional organizer or retail, um, like re- like retail sales representative, and see their like filing system, and then see how they file certain things, and then see you can apply that to your business. Obviously, it's going to take a little bit of more thinking because you're like, okay, here's how it applies here, and then you have to go through this and this process and um, understand everything. But at the end of the day, like. Seriously, takes inspiration. Like, look into the other industries and see how they do things. That's the point that I want to be making. And if you don't get anything out of this podcast today, because I had to riff quite a bit, I do apologize. But please, at least take this. <laughs> no, I absolutely love it, and that's what I do as well. I think a lot of people may not used to think outside of the box or just look around and know how to adapt certain things and make it their own. So I think it's really, it's a really good skill to have for sure. I want to switch gears a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, and talk a little bit about, well, yourself and your music. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned you have Asian parents. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit where they are from originally. Yeah, so I, they are South Korean and like all, like they have all been South Koreans, however many generations up and stuff like that. And I am also ethnically South Korean, so that may, and, but I grew up in Canada, so that makes me first generation immigrant. Up. So that answers the question in that regard. Next question, please. I don't want to keep rambling. <laughs> no, I love that. So do you, do you think you had, like growing up, did you see your parents struggling more than you would think uh, Canadians would have been struggling in a way that maybe having their own businesses or finding jobs or, as you mentioned, jobs do not run very well through your family? So this is where, oh yeah, this is actually, yeah, actually this, I, I don't really talk about that in this much in podcasts, more, but that's okay. More than willing to talk about it. And, and this is where it's, yeah, again, it's a little bit of an interesting topic just because I, like, like what happened was when my, uh, when we decided to move, my dad actually stayed in South Korea and my mom and my sister and I, so they, and so we kind of moved us three and then my dad would be visiting every, like, 
quarter, every six months and so on, because he couldn't just leave his business. And Mm -hmm. this is something that happens with a lot of immigrants' parents, particularly if they have a really, really solid business or solid job in their home country. And and then the languages do not necessarily translate to each other. Let's say if if they're already working in a multinational corporation and they meet the language requirement, that transition would have been possible. But let's say if they're within the professional designation, maybe they're a doctor. And that mean, if they move to another country, that means that they have to practice, like they have to take the licensing exam. Again, they have to go to school for however many number of years. So it's like, and that might not necessarily be possible, especially if you are the breadwinner of the family. And with my dad's case, he had his really successful company of his own, which was multinational in the sense where they he was doing a lot of um, transactions outside of the country, particularly within Southeast Asia and so on, because um, because how the music market was expanding and so on but it still wasn't really to a point where it's like yeah like we're going to set up an office in Canada and I can move sort of a thing and so so what happened pretty much the whole thing was okay he just stays and my mom continues to stay as a stay-at-home wife and that's kind of how it worked and like and unfortunately and I know that that is not something that most like most like I would say most people don't really have to, to get to grow up with that kind of thing where like where the, like where the whole yeah like where the whole oh like it's too expensive sort of a thing or we can't afford that like money was never an issue growing up at least um until the family businesses went completely went down and then we had to liquidate all the assets and so on so until that happened which was in my late teens but until that happens like there was no problem of okay like did you have trouble finding a job and stuff like that and I'm really 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 grateful for that Mm. so that's probably not the answer that you were looking for but no I'm um, looking for the honesty to be honest (laughs) but yeah yeah, I just wanted, to, but I I really do hope that they gave a little bit of a um, different insight as well because uh, like the whole yeah some like some pe- like some American families that's how they're going to operate and then sometimes they like, because of that job situation and real like the whole um yeah, the whole language requirement and stuff like that that might not necessarily fly very well so if you are within if you're seriously thinking of immigrant summer and stuff like that. Ideally, try to move to a country where they speak the same language, so that you don't need to go through that kind of stuff. But, but that might not necessarily be uh, an option for people necessarily. So, anyway, yeah, German isn't that well known around the world. <laughs> yeah. So um, here I am learning Thai, <laughs> reading and writing. It's great. Mm. So. Tell me a little bit about your music career. So it sounds like um, definitely music is really popular in your family. Not really popular per se, but it kind of ended up in an interesting way because with my like my, my dad, yeah, he had like he had a music management company sort of a thing where. 
like so almost like a talent like talent agency talent management except except he specialized in musicians mm-hmm. and my paternal side of the family in general they had that like they're all of their businesses even looking at like even my paternal grandmother they like they were all within that entertainment and music sphere so that has been interesting now did they want me to necessarily become a musician nope they wanted me obviously they wanted me to be good at lots of things because that's something that's that I, I think that this is something that even though we have immigrated that's something that my parents kept was oh you get to number one you get to be anything you want you can be lawyer doctor teacher nurse accountant or an engineer or <laughs> university professor pick you can be anything you want as long as it's within those seven things and as well as well as like you have to be good at everything the whole the whole yeah you like you're i'm gonna i'm like i you can cut this part out but it's like oh you're asian with a you're not b or c or something like that just the poking the fun at the whole you have to be good at everything that you can you can't be stuck at everything now you can get into cultural nuances and stuff like that so because of that my parents did get me to take a lot take up on a lot of things earlier on I um, everything from golfing uh, tennis like obviously English lessons as well and um, French lessons (laughs) weird um but no it yes that's a weird story as <laughs> well as music lessons um violin piano mm. and, and things like that and piano is something that i ended up sticking with because violin was really really hurting my fingers and i was like nah i'm like and mind you i was only like six so i'm just like, I'm like and if you get a six-year-old to play violin like twice a week with a bunch of old people in a community center they're not going to take it very well <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to me so um I went to a piano eventually and that's how I started with the session musician thing so by the time I was 16 I was doing local productions and, and again then I was doing like demo productions acoustic arrangements and so on and as well as doing some like performances with the choirs and stuff like that so that's what was happening and but when it comes to establishing a musician brand per se it didn't really happen until I was about 20 years old because again it's the like I, and I think this is something that everyone has in common particularly if you are a high achiever that really drives in Monique's vibe and things like that is that we're a lot harder on ourselves than other people judge, like put ourselves to be so other people might put us at yeah like maybe like two to three standards and stuff like that but we are putting ourselves at like 30 different standards and doing like ah my hair strand is off I'm gonna die sort of a thing okay maybe not the hair strand I'm totally exaggerating on that but the point being we're really harsh on ourselves and that's something that I feel was really stopping me when I was trying to make the leap from the whole just the session musician doing piano arrangements to actually doing um the front man kind of performer sort of a thing and how I started my and so that's what really got me started per se and yeah so I was just really putting myself out there on the social media sphere offline gigs and so on I did end up releasing a single at one point which I took down for many reasons I'm gonna get into that a little bit later you're actually gonna really like the 
theme to this as to why it took it down and so on and how we're going to tie it back to the business sphere. But I had a top 20 single, at least according to the um, Reverb Nation local chart, pop music aspect of it. So gotten so did a top 20 local single and took it down. But and then I was a Periscope VIP broadcaster where um you might have heard of the app Periscope. I'm still people may say dying app but support but anyway but yeah back when it was popular i had the vip streaming thing so yeah that um as well as some other um paid music gigs i did a movie soundtrack and things like that so so we'll just say it's like yeah i've done few things as a musician but was i a billboard charting artist i'm still getting there but not exactly there yet exactly So what would you say is your genre? More pop or anything specific? I'm not Mm. really... No, it's okay. It's okay. So I would at this point with the music, I found that... And this is something that I found with my business too, is I'm not exactly the best one to create things from scratch. Rather, let's say if someone gives me something, if someone gives me an idea and I'm like, and then I can be like, okay, so we can do this, 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 which is what made me a lot better at arrangements and a lot better at session musician aspect of in the first place, because I never had to come up with my own thing. And it was just about how, whatever they're taking me, how I interpret and how I turn into my own complete thing and because of that um with my with my music and like the albums that i have planned out and or at least planning out per se it's very it's very genre diverse in terms of yeah it's gonna have a little bit more mainstream sound but i do want to drive um inspirations from other aspects of it like i want to incorporate quite a bit of like retro swing jazz sort of a thing or deep house or maybe blending in both and stuff like that uh, but it would really depend on the type of people I'm working with and then mm. based on the overall vision of the album itself. The first album, I think it's just going to have that very... Uh, I think the sound-wise, it's going to be very like pop acoustic sort of a thing. So it's not going to be like super experimental. It's going to be just very straightforward. But yeah, so I know that might sound really long-winded, but I like I, but this is where I'm just going to say it really depends <laughs> on what I'm going to be working with in that moment and yeah. Okay. I love that. So how are you managing then to have your business consulting the music puppies and unicorns? Mhm food okay so i plan my day around food food is non-negotiable you don't you don't like i mean sometimes although not gonna lie i do have a little bit tendency where based on how i work i found that at once i sit down i don't like getting up which is um that you can call drones of human design um concepts and stuff like that or you could just call it getting in the zone or whatever but i could like once if i'm doing something i could be sitting somewhere for 10 hours and i wouldn't get tired and i'll still be like completely alert and stuff like that and the next day i will crash and not speak english for the rest of the day or get my get all my languages mixed up and so on but anyways so 
So I structure my days around food, or although for the purpose of this high efficiency tips and strategies aspect of it, I will say, based on my chronotype, I like to schedule things on my productivity and my priorities and stuff like that. And then when it comes to music and things, so currently I'm on a stage where I still think I am going a lot more hands on business. So that's how, when it comes to time allocation, I'm going to make sure that most of the things within my business are allocated first and then music will will kind of just go in wherever it was when I am releasing albums and stuff like that it might flip around Mm -hmm. but that'll only be when I that'll only be when all the preparatory work that I have been doing my business is completely done and because we're I feel that we're still within that ramping up stage now that we're restructuring certain things and so on and again my golden rule I don't want to (laughs) starve so yeah, that's how I like. So that's how I do it. But also, and I think this is something that might be a little bit of a nugget per se, is finding a way to tie that together for like whether around music and your. I mean, for me, it's music and my consulting business. But at the same time, whatever you're doing, side projects and so on, or even if they seem to be in complete different industry, find a way to tie it back together. Whether this is through a personal brand. So, for example, let's say you have you have a personal brand around um, life coaching, and then you have a side business around rescuing labradoodles that um like that don't have a home because you know when unicorns have a baby they ended up having labradoodles and they're like like you guys are my unicorns goodbye and then they were joining the labradoodle shed with the rest of the labradoodles and they were waiting for human um, parents but yeah so let's say like that's your side hustle per se then what you're gonna try to do is like how is, i mean obviously you're glad you're allocating the time but try to find lessons from one another just because you're working on one thing doesn't mean that you can doesn't mean that whatever you're gonna learn from doing that one thing won't translate that to another, whether in terms of connections, whether in terms of your knowledge, whether in terms of your leadership skills, whether in terms of how you're setting up certain structures and systems and so on. There are so many things that when you're learn, when you're doing one area and the more you are getting invested in one area, it can be translated, which is why like, if you look at athletes per se that become top Olympians and so on, some of them actually do end up getting to second sports and then they end up going to Olympics again because because um, even though they're completely different sports and techniques might be different, there are so many transferable things, whether in terms of the disciplines, whether in terms of the physical trainings, whether in terms of like how to prepare for these seasons, like the mental toughness whether in terms of the, or like or for example there's a Canadian figure skater who jo- Joanne Rochette who was a bronze medalist in Vancouver Olympics and now she is a doctor like so she retired from the skating thing and like she's a medical doctor who's I think she graduated from McGill so it's so it's like now on the surface you might be like well from figure skating to doctor how does that work well if you think about it, figure skating very physiology oriented, not only the mental toughness and discipline and stuff like that, but it, for example, like when you're doing, when you're doing turns or doing jumps or when you're doing warm-ups and stuff like it's very mechanical it's very physical it's like the jumps and the angles where you land is very physics very mathy and stuff like that so if you're looking at where the brain like i guess the different brain parts probably the same parts of the brain so when you're translating to a different era even though it might seem very irrelevant when you're looking at the common ground okay what i learned from this part that i can bring to this part 
that and that just worked out really, really well. And I won't think, and then when it comes to your business aspect of it or your side projects and so on, or let's say it, something that I see very often, oh, like mindset coaching and this is coaching because I'm doing both. Well, like, does it have to be both necessarily, especially if you're serving the same people at the same time? But if you insist that it's going to be both separate for whatever reason, which I don't really see the point, but okay, then what are you learning from mindset coaching that can be translated into business coaching? Or what are you learning from business coaching that can be translated into mindset coaching? So figure that out. Just because you're doing one thing, doesn't mean you should rule out another. And for my case, because, um, the work that I'm doing with my business, a part of it really had to do, like a, as a business building activity, a lot of it had to do with me building relationship with media and building my network and stuff like that. And oddly enough, that's something that can be translated really well into music because um, people that know people and so on. And then this is something like when, because building relationship with media and knowing how to do that, that's something that I can know, I can use when I'm going hams on the album production. With them, for example, like well, what I learned with music, with the video editing, live streaming, podcasting, even though sorry, this is really really riffy, <laughs> and so on, um, or media interview skills, or crisis management things, or like influencer branding and stuff like that. That's something that I can bring into my business in terms of revenue. Like so, all. Always find that common connection and the transferability aspect of it. I, which kind, I feel like I kind of went off on a tangent, but I really, really wanted to emphasize this part because, yeah. I think you just feel like you went, like you went off somewhere else, but you didn't. And yes, (laughs) definitely great point. I think we're slowly approaching the end of our podcast. But I do have two more questions. Actually, three more. Let me ask three more questions. Okay. So what is one question that you wish corporations or business owners would ask you more? Um, Wow, that's a really good question, actually. (laughs) I would say in terms of what I wish they asked me more... I would say for, like, I'll say for corporations, it will be, it'll be, okay, how can we recruit the right people in the first place that is not going to fly off to Tanzania to swim with elephants six months after they get the job? Because, yeah, we can, I mean, millennials jaw popping and stuff like that. Yeah, that is a real thing. However, but at the same time, like, if the best way to prevent it is to not, to only hire people that you know are going to be extremely dedicated to the organization in the first place and don't have any other intentions. So that's what I would say corporations would ask me more instead of just asking me, oh, why are they jaw popping? I don't know, because they're that way <laughs> like i mean obviously i have my like i have i have the, my rationale per, and per se and a lot of them find it very inspirational or like informational or whatever it might be and as for small businesses i would say the questions that they should be asking more is okay so how can like it's like what like what are some preventative things that i can do to make sure that nothing is falling off the cracks because so many small businesses that, re- and then this is something that you can agree on as well, because you really do focus, your main thing is on structure and leadership and structure and leadership. It's, well, leadership, not as much, but structure is definitely one of the things I do. It's just not within my top, it's just 
it's not my top one per se. So this is something that we can both agree on. But a lot of the businesses, because they focus on just bulking up the front end aspect and say, oh, I'm going to, I want to build my audience. I want to build my audience. I want to grow my audience and I'm going to make so much money. I want to go viral marketing, like viral and stuff like that. And I'm like, I, and then this is going to offend a lot of small business owners that's going to be listening to this, but most of small businesses, if they went viral, their business going to, and their business is going to be done because they are not going to have the, but like they're not going to have the emotional bandwidth, the minds, like the mental toughness, as well as the team member preparedness and the leadership and things like that. They don't ha- they can't handle it. So they also just don't have the capacity to scale and grow that fast because exactly. they don't have the structure as a foundation. Yeah, exactly. So they need yeah. a good foundation. It's so it's almost like, and that's something that I use in one of the previous podcast interviews that I've done before. So what small business owners are doing is they are like with the whole approach of, oh yeah, I just want to grow. I just want to build my audience. I want to build the thing and I'll worry about the team building. I'll worry about structures and stuff like that later. And most of them don't even worry about, they're like, oh, fuck structure and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I got about getting two multiple seven figures with that mentality or eight. <laughs> Again, this is where people are going to be triggered. Um, yeah, hate mails can be sent to my website, contact information directly. Don't send it to Monique. Um, she's awesome (laughs) anyways but anyways what I was going to say was the whole analogy of what a lot the whole focusing on the growth only without figuring out okay how are you gonna capacitate these growth how what about the structure to handle these growth so that we are not we're like we're not turning whatever's supposed to be brick house into a giant tent in the middle of fire festival so what can so that is almost equivalent to taking a plate that is size of a little post-it and then you're going to all you can eat buffet being like, I want more food, I want more food, I want more food, and your food is falling all over the floor, but it doesn't matter because you want more freaking food. Instead, you could have just grabbed the you could have just asked the chef for the giant salad bowl that's gonna that's gonna contain 50 salad portions bring the freaking bowl and throw all the food in and then you're not gonna and then you're not gonna have a mental breakdown or trying to figure out oh my god like why do i not have enough food because you didn't have enough space on your plate to contain your freaking food so (laughs) i hope that analogy makes sense but yeah that's a question that i really really hope and wish that small business owners could be asking more often but Hey, if they don't want to ask them, hey, it's okay. More job security for both of us. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, people can get triggered, whatever. <laughs> okay, last two questions. So what does efficiency mean to you? Efficiency means to me, okay, this this is probably the not good answer, but just things done in the most optimized and like minimum distraction kind of way and and then uh, like and then also as minimal number of steps as possible where every single steps that you're doing to get something done is done with purpose and it's meaningful that's what efficiency would mean to me that's a great answer oh hey thank you (laughs) all right last question for the day Imagine everything is wiped out. You have to start over again, but you have the knowledge that you have today. So looking back, 
if you had to start over again with the knowledge that you have today, which three things would you do over and over again to get back up to success again? One of the things definitely would be on any of the business structuring activities, whether in terms of structuring operations, creating SOPs and stuff like that. That's the first. That's always going to be one of the first things on my to-do list, because if I'm building myself over and over again, and provided the fact that if I can only do three things until I am at a certain point, I don't want to crash and burn once I reach that point. So, and like that's that's the first thing that I would be doing, and the other thing that I will be doing is really working on that lead generation aspect of it. I mean, you can call it. I mean, I guess you can put it on one. Branch. I mean, they get branding and marketing aspect of it, but that's the second thing that I'll be doing. And then the third would be really folk, really fine tuning and optimizing the results creation and the client services fulfillment and things like that. I really believe that as a, particularly for service providers that don't make service providers, they need to have the, the journey, the customer journey should be customized and the experience should be customized but the results and delivery of the results has to be science and it has to be predictable. You have to know exactly which variables are going to contribute to what, which variables need to be taken out and then what's going to happen and stuff like that. You really, really need to think of it as a very controlled science experiment that you're repeating over and over and over again. So that's like, that's just my approach with things, but that'll be a third thing. Like that'll be one of the, top three things that I'll be doing over and over and over and over again. I love that. Amazing. Um, Claire, thank you so much for coming on today, for taking the time. We've been speaking for quite a while already, uh, but we only recorded half of it. So thank you so much for sharing all of the insights and the crazy stories with us and the audience. Um, <laughs> please share with everyone where they can find you and what they can find there. Okay. So yeah, you can find my company website at clearlydesigns.com. It should be in show notes. Again, hate letters can go and go on the, my contact info. <laughs> there won't be any, there won't be any. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I have a feeling that when like, I have a feeling when I say the whole, yeah, people might get triggered. People, some people might just stop listening at that point, or maybe at the that's okay. Point. Natural yeah, selection. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm okay with. But yeah, if you want to find me, there's that. You can also creep on Monique's social media here and there. I'm kind of a kind of a t top fan girl i don't think i have the facebook top fan yet but i'm pretty close but yeah so you might be able to find me there too so i'm pretty easy to find <laughs> everywhere where unicorn cats are you should be too uh exactly oh my god now i want like now i just want to like adopt like five kittens and be like <laughs> <laughs> but that'll be oh responsible Claire, I love that conversation so much. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And everyone who's listening, you know what to do. As Claire told you, go check out the show notes for connecting with her and sending all the love letters to her. And if you haven't yet subscribed, find that button right now and do though so you can listen to more 
amazing unicorn leopardoodle episodes like that. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned that you too can unlock your ultimate potential, how to control your time, create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at the Monique Lindner. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember to slow down to speed up.